I want you to come away with me to Psalms 133. And if you have your um, phone or your iPad, uh, if you haven't already, I want you to download the Winning Church app uh, and you will find the notes and so you won't have to really kind of write so much, but you can still write your notes. But if you download the Winning Church app, it's free. Uh, the Winning Church app, uh, you go on the app store and uh, download it and you'll have the notes to what we are talking about this morning. Um, for your hearing, we want to talk about the unity of followers. Say that with me, unity of followers. Yeah, unity of followers. There should be a unity among followers. And I pray that this lesson will bless you and challenge you at the same time and educate you. The sweetness of unity. Psalms 133, one says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that when went down to the skirts of his garments. And as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mount of Z mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And so this really is a lovely psalm, and there is not a single word of lament or anger or complaint or negative thought in this uh, division of Psalms 133. The psalm celebrates unity like it is precious oil and the dew of the Mount Hermon that's falling as refreshing, refreshing and life-giving as it says there, uh, ran or reigned on Jerusalem. And so Paul begins his letter to the Ephesus church by telling Christians there to be eager to maintain unity. Say that with me. We, we must be eager to maintain unity. And that's what we're missing in our world today. There's a whole lot of disunity. No, not a whole lot of unity, but a whole lot of disunity. So the principle of unity is seen in the design, really, of what we call marriage. Ephesians 4 and 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness and with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so, yes, we see this principle even in marriage. God created the man and he took the woman from the man's body and he said that the two shall be one flesh, according to Genesis 2 and 24. And so many years later, Jesus said to the Pharisees, in Mark 10, he says, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. So Paul wrote to the Macedonian church of Philippi that oneness among its members would make his joy complete. In Philippians 2 Verse 1, and I, I got them down, and I know you see them there in your writing, so I, I'll go faster. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. So the word unity comes from the word one. In some languages, in particular in Spanish, uno, and, and, and in uh, Latin, unun, unun, the word for one is derived from the same root un, at the English word unity. So when unity exits uh, the plural, two or more or more becomes another sense, the singular one. 
So all of us in here who love Christ, the, as singular, we all become one because we love Christ alike. And so the motto proposed for the first great seal of the United States by John Adams and Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson in 1776 was the E plus uh, unum. Its Latin phrase means many, from many, one. From many, one. And so the phrase offered a strong statement of the Americans' uh, a determination to the form a single nation from a collection of dissimilar colonies. And it described a unified nation of people from many different backgrounds, beliefs, and different ways of thinking and doing things. So in a relationship, business, government, sports, other team activities, we are stronger and better when we are united, better positioned and equipped to fend off attacks by enemies when we are united. That's why we say, uh, you know, together we, you know, stand and divide it. What? We fall, right? And so even a bundle of straws is stronger than a single straw. If you put a whole lot of them together and tape them together, it's going to be harder to break or bend those straws when they're all there collected together. And so unity is person to person, brother to brother, or sister to sister, or friend to friend. All combinations of unity are sweet except when you unify for evil. And so in practically, in practically as in a situation of life, a group may be unified or disunified. There can be concord or discord. Now, discord arranges from simple disagreements to enmity. And so, one his last nights with the disciples, Jesus prayed for us, and he had been praying for the eleven. Then he prayed for all who would believe in him because of the disciples' work. In John uh, 17, verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Just as he, as the Father, and the Father are one, Jesus and the Father are one, that is a very high standard. Jesus did not pray to us that believers in him would be one. He prayed, uh, his prayer was to the Father. The prayer of Jesus was not without purpose. Verse 23, it says, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So unity among the disciples of Christ is designed to show the world that God loves us even as he loved Jesus. And I can't read that the prayer of Jesus and think of unity among Christians as being optional. Unity among Christians are not optional. And so Get this. The second thought I want you to, I want to talk about is the elusiveness of the unity in the church. See, the church has been demonstrating for centuries that unity is elusive. Paul saw this unity in the young church at Corinth and sought to correct the division by writing these words in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. I got a lot of scriptures, so I'm going to be reading fast. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you. See, I appeal to you that all of you agree that there be no what? 
divisions among you, but that you be what? Unified in the same what? Mind and the same judgment. For it have been reported to me uh, that uh, Choli's uh, people, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Quarreling in the church? Fighting in the church? What were those Christians quarreling about? The bickering was about who baptized each of them or who each one followed. It seems to have been considered prestigious to have been baptized by some of the early teachers. So they thought about who they were baptized by. Is that something for Christians to separate into quarreling camps about? Paul says it is not. What was Paul talking about? Quarreling. Paul wasn't talking about every single thing that would ever come before any church anywhere. He was appealing to them within a context. The context of Paul's ammunition is not glorifying in man, which they were fighting about Paul and Apollos and Cephas, but in Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul uh, crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul, he asked? No. Paul wanted them to unify on the truth that baptized and following is about Christ, not about men. It's ironic that while unity is so sweet and precious, it seems that Few things spark arguments among Christians more than talking about unity. The efforts to achieve uh, unity sometimes causes problems that wouldn't occur if we uh, let well enough alone. Unity is a topic churches have often shied away from to fear of being forced to give up or ignore our beliefs in, our, uh, in order to align ourselves with those of different beliefs. Or we must compel others to give up theirs. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me put your mind at ease right here. I'm not suggesting that we give up what we believe. That's not what unity is. Do you think that we can all agree today about buttermilk? My son was cooking last night. He had some buttermilk out there. I'm going to ask you the question. Is it good to drink? I say no. It's only good for making pancakes and donuts. Cornbread, biscuits. Huh? But I'm not flexible about, about drinking it. You can tell me how good it is all you want to. You can make it look good by drinking it, but I'm not going to drink no buttermilk. So if we are to reach an agreement about buttermilk, I must convince you it's nasty. Or you have to persuade me to drink that vile stuff and like it. Right? But I don't see that happening. I don't see us unifying on the drinking of buttermilk. So did Jesus pray to the Father for something has never been and will never be? Jesus wasn't praying uh, and Paul wasn't writing about buttermilk or anything else where agreement is not possible. He was talking about possible, not impossible agreement I hope I hadn't lost you so the question percolates to the top of whether unity is to be achieved within some context such as a congregation of Christians joined together by agreement or common things or if the call to unity is citywide or worldwide Shall we seek unity? Just within the congregation? 
or throughout a brotherhood of people among certain churches whose views are generally similar to ours. Shall we seek unity among all churches, whatever they are, wherever they are, and however they have arranged their work? Did Jesus intend for us to be united with people everywhere who wear the, the name Christian while thinking and acting very differently about certain doctrinal issues? The wider the horizontal, the more diverse are the beliefs and practices. And the more uncomfortable we are with being unified. Is brotherhood worldwide or worldwide unity even possible? Man, I can, it, it, can and does really, uh, it prevents, when it, as, it seems like as the scope gets larger, look like unity is not possible. So it seemed to me that when Jesus prayed for unity, and Paul told the Christians at Corinth and Philippi and elsewhere that they were to be unified in the same what? Mind, right? We were just reading that. The same what? Judgments. And they spoke in the context of Christians who are associated with one another and work together promoting the kingdom of God. And so there is a practical benefit to that which doesn't exist in the same way as having unity and the Coptic Christians in uh, Egypt. It would be lovely for all Christians throughout the world to be in full agreement and have unity on every point, but that does not have the same relevancy and application as it does within autonomous congregations working toward common goals. We will always have some disagreements among ourselves on judgment and preferences and the way that some scriptures regulate the church and its members' action. But before the people in Warner Robins, as the winning church, we stand together. Why? Because Jesus told us why. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as they love me, as he loved me. And so this is the purpose Jesus cared about. So that it, what, what we ought to care about just like Jesus cared about, that we, that the world may see that we are one. That the world may see that we are together. That the world may see that we're moving in the same purpose. That the world may see that we got the same judgment. We got the same uh, love. That the world may see. The world should never see us divided. When the world see us divided, they don't want nothing with what our so-called unity that we say we have. I'm moving kind of swiftly. So here's my question. What hinders unity in the church? A, the belief that something I value is worth destroying unity for. Oh, it's going to get a little heavy now. So unity is destroyed, when, is destroyed when I elevate things that divide above those that unify. I want you to just let that sink in a little bit. So we need to grasp the importance of the things that divide us and the things that unite us. And that is hard because what one of us thinks is trivial, another thinks is vitally important. Teaching real good today, but you you listening. So placing unity at a high enough level makes us to iron out our differences. And I like that. If we put unity high enough, even though we may have differences, we will unite even though we have differences. Because we do it for the sake of unity that the world may know 
that we all stand for Christ. So perhaps there are exceptions, but in the main, the things that cause friction among Christians fall under one or more of these three headings. And I'm telling you, and you can see it too, judgment, right? Preferences, right? And scriptures understood differently. That's where the friction is. That's where we rub each other the wrong way because of our judgments. But he did tell us, have the what? Same judgments. Now how in the world is God going to get us to have the same judgment? We got to fill ourselves up with the word. Our judgments won't be so much different if we fill ourselves up with the word. You got to eat this word. You got to drink this word. You got to live this word. You got to be about this word. The word in, the word out. You got to talk about the word every day you get that word of God in you. And I, I promise you we will have a lot of the same judgments. We will have the same mind, ladies and gentlemen, if we fill ourselves up with the Holy Word. But the problem is, is that we fill ourselves up with a whole lot of the stuff of the world. No, we don't, Bishop. Yes, we do. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Because whatever you spend time with, that's what you fill yourself up with. How much time do you spend with God? How much time do you spend at the house of God? How much time do you spend praying? How much time do you spend praising God? Because I'm here to tell you that you ought to give God more praise than what you've been giving him. And you're, you're listen, you're overdue in giving God what's his. You're overdue in giving him the prayer that you, you, you need to talk to him more. See, we got to fill ourselves up. We don't, you know, they just want us to come to church. We feel good by staying at the house and get us a little, you know, we get media dinners now. It used to be TV dinner, but we get media dinner. I done went to church to 12 churches already. My God. And you've been eating off everybody's table and you haven't got a full course meal yet. And my God, you're sick as a dog because you never get anything solid in your body and you cannot grow like that you gotta sit your hips down somewhere get your fork and your spoon and your knife and get ready for a full course meal because the advertisement is not gonna hold you it's not gonna keep you with the you know with the stuff that they put out there you gotta get something that's gonna stick to you If you know like I know a lot of us we hard-headed I'm one of them you got to give me something that's gonna be in my face Give me the word of God. If it got to hurt my feelings, it's all right. My feelings going to change anyway. How many of you know your feelings change anyhow? They may hurt your feelings today or tomorrow, but you back in love with them after they don't hurt your feelings. So the word of God might step on your toes every now and then, but you cannot shun it away because you're going to need the word of God because that's what's going to help you grow. I'm out of here. Anybody can help me in here. Is there anybody that want to grow anymore? Don't give us no, 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 no cupcakes and, 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 and sugar ticks and giving us a sugar rattles and giving us, you know, cotton candy. No, we need the meat of the word of God. Hallelujah. You are what you eat. You are what you digest. You are what you put in your eyes, the windows of your soul. You are what you smell. You are what you put in your mouth, what you put in your spiritual body. That's what you are. You have become what you are.
Some of us have started moving backwards since, since the pandemic. We're not as strong as we used to be because we was on the altar praying so much so and now we done got so far back from the altar than what we had before. You used to have, my God, God would drop in your spirit to pray for this one and pray for that one and go see this one and, and call that one. But now God ain't saying nothing to you. Why? Because you done backed up from him. You done start going backwards instead of going forward. Can you say Amen. If never before, it's the time now to get a bonafide prayer life. You need to put your prayer life on the top priority of your list and move that prayer top. My God, God will reveal so many things to you when you get before him. You can't get it when you listening to everybody else. You can't have everybody in your ear because whoever has your ear has your future. You need to let the Bible have your ear. You need to let the word have your ear. You need to let God have your ear. Jesus have your ear. You need to let the word of God speak to you on a day-to-day -day basis. Are y'all hearing me up in here? Hallelujah. Look down your road and tell everybody, I'm ready to go somewhere. Hallelujah. Listen, it's too late in the game. I'm, listen, I want to be on the winning team. Uh-huh, been playing this game a long time and look like we're not getting anywhere. It's not until we unify. It's not until we become one that we're going to win this thing. We got to become one. When you're going, when you're a little down, I need to be there to pick you up. When I get a little down, you need to be there to pick me up. We need to be there to pick each other up because you're not your, you're not your strongest always. And you don't feel like you want to go there always. But if you hang around people that will pick you up, if you hang around people that got your interests at heart, if you hang around folk when you get a little low and you start talking defeated start talking downward they'll say no we're not God didn't bring you this far for you to start talking like that get up and let's go forward can you say amen yes it's time for you to get up and go forward my God, my God, you don't worry about what other folks say about you. You are concerned about your growth, sister. You are concerned about your growth, mister. And you can't worry about what other folk got to say about you because they don't have anything to give you. But God said, I'll give you everything that you need because I'm a need meter. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm the God of you too. If you'll let me, I'll be your God too. Somebody holler, somebody say, I want him to be my God. Yeah, I want him to be my God. So I got to get my judgment right. Got to get my preferences right. And I got to get my scriptures right. Are y'all hearing me? And so here it is, the reason why, oh, I feel God all in this place. What hidden is unity in the church? You might not like this one, but it is opinions. Opinions. Opinions are a fact of life that will always be with us. One of the easiest things for Christians to do is have opinions. But one of the hardest things for Christians to do is to allow others to express opinions that differ from our opinions. Something in us want to say, no, you can't think like that because I think like this. And you know, they say like noses, all of us have, you know, opinions and not all our opinions are alike. You put all us in the mirror, all our noses will be different sizes. And we are not all the same judgment and preferences. And I might say that we can only be united when everyone agrees with me. But does that even work with, within marriages or families? It don't. And so what right I have more than another person to make myself the clearinghouse of right and wrong opinions? Opinions will never be the basis of unity. For we can never obtain the solution lies elsewhere. So why do Christians often deny others the right to have their own opinion? 
Because as Christians, truth is infinitely important. As Christians, we feel that we ought not to permit another Christian to express any untrue thing unchallenged for fear that someone will lose their soul and influence others to believe a lie that we let pass. So did I stand up for what I believe or stand for unity? That is the crux of this subject of unity. Do I have to start believing and practicing what I believe is wrong for the sake of the unity Jesus prayed for? There's no way we can say that unity must be achieved by not standing up for what we believe is right. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. We cannot, must not discard either. Historically, churches have forfeited unity. But unity doesn't weigh nothing. I can't operate your scales for you. When there are competing interests to be protected, we have to uh, weigh what is most precious to you and what you believe is most precious to the Father Jesus prayed to. He said unity or the thing that destroyed. So you may have to make that decision often when, when you do keep unity in the equation. Because Jesus prayed that you would do that. Now here's the thing, what causes, oh my God, help us in this place. What is really hindering unity, and I really got to bring this out, what's hindering unity, whatever you believe and whatever you do, do not let a root of bitterness germinate and grow in your heart. If you feel bitter towards some person or persons, the first thing you should do is pray for yourself. And then if you cannot be at peace, go to that person. Are you following me? Because you got to do this. Why we got to do it? Because the Bible says so. Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of fall of grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby, thereby many be defiled. So you may be correct in perceiving someone's flaws or faults, but when you nurture that observation, you are in pearl. Because you address roots of bitterness and mend broken fences before the root become a tree. Are you hearing me? And so it brings us to this point here. That there are situations where unity must be set aside for the higher good or because unity threatens spiritual health. What you say? All right, let me explain. In some situations, it's not only appropriate to break the bond of unity and separate, it is a necessity. All right? It is the influence of leaven. You've heard that, right? Leaven can be either beneficial or toxic. The most deadly poison known to man is botulinum which is like a virus that can attack your body in minutes. And so what you got to understand, you cannot connect yourself with everybody because you don't know how toxic they are. Don't kid yourself. The devil is fighting for keeps. He, don't, he really don't care too much about your natural body because all of us know that this body here ain't going to last but so long. But what he really after, he's after your soul. He's after your spirit. If he can get that, he's got everything about you. So you cannot connect yourself with everybody because you don't know. They may look good on the exterior. They may have a beautiful voice. 
They may smell. Ooh, smell so good. But you didn't know that they were very toxic. And the aim was to take you out because of who's connected to you. You got a lot of people connected to you. Oof. So let me show you. Why, why is this so? You say sometimes you got to set aside for the high good. Yes. A, an unrepentant, immoral person. You can't unify with that kind of, kind of person. An unrepentant, immoral person. You cannot unify with that person. Let me give you a scripture. Let me give you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 5. Look up at the screen because I know in the message Bible. It says, I also received a report of scandalous sex within your church family. A kind that wouldn't be tolerated even outside the church. One of your men is sleeping with his stepmother. And you're so above it all that it doesn't even phase you. Shouldn't this break your heart? Shouldn't it break you to your knees in tears? Bring you to your knees in tears? Shouldn't this person and his conduct be confronted and dealt with? You don't unify with a person like that. You call them out. Yes. See, but that's, we don't want to do that. Because we don't want to do nobody like that. We want to count them out. But he's, a, he's an unrepentant person. And he's sleeping. And everybody knows it. And you act like that's all right. Now, we all agree with Paul on that, right? Don't we? We're unified on the matter that this man was doing a bad thing. Even if we don't know all the, the specifics in the case, we know that this man right here was doing a bad thing. And on this, we are unified along with Paul, right? So we don't be this person right here. All right? B, we cannot be unified uh, with uh, a factious people, right? Titus 3 and 10, look what it said. Warn troublemakers once or twice. Then don't have anything else to do with them. You know that their minds are twisted. And their own sins show how guilty they are. You cannot unite with troublemakers. You know they're troublemakers. And you just think it's so funny. <laughs> you know, ain't nothing funny about that. Because when you tie yourself with a troublemaker, that's who you associate yourself with. You become a troublemaker. Because one of the seven things God hates is one who sows seeds of discord among the brethren. Proverbs 6. I know, told you I had a lot of them. Said, I'm going to read it fast. There are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hand that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. God said, uh-uh, I don't do that. I don't, I don't play that game. So these type of people you cannot unite with to do what they do. You need to disassociate yourself uh, with troublemakers. Here's another one. We cannot be uh, uh, united with those who cause division. You can't be united with a person that caused division. See, now we, I'm glad we got our, you know, got our, you know, we was excited before. Now we listen. Because everybody knows somebody that probably like what the Bible done already de de described. Can't unite with those people who cause division. Romans 16, 17. Look what the Bible said. My friends, I beg you to watch out for anyone who causes trouble and divides the church by refusing to do what all of you were taught. Stay away from them. They want to serve themselves and not Christ the Lord. That, watch this. Their flattery and fancy talk fool people who don't know any better. Just because they got a smooth tongue, a silky tongue, and they know how to put words together. They done studied the dictionary a little bit and they got spitting out some words that you don't understand. They must be real smart. Bob said, uh-uh. Don't you Listen to their flattery or fancy words, their fancy talk. Because they will pull you away. Do not unite with those people. 
Are you hearing me this morning? I'm, I'm just telling you what the Bible says now. Then here's another one. You didn't like that one? He said, we, do, we, do, we cannot be united with those who deny the teaching of Christ. 2 John 1 10 says, if, the, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. Look what verse 11 says, for he that bid him God's speed is partakers of his evil deeds. I don't want to become a part uh, taker of what you do. Because I'm telling you over all your foolishness, then I'm going to say, God bless you. No, I need God to bless you in your mess. I need God to chasten you. Because whom you love, he take chasten. Are you hearing me? Why do you think that you have to discipline your children? Because you love them. It may appear that you don't love them because they're saying they're receiving something on the other end that don't feel real good, but they really love you. They're giving you tough love. How many of you, when you were growing up, they gave you tough love? Did they get you real good? Some of y'all don't look like y'all got it real good. Look like you were real spoiled. Look like they, you know, they just let you have your way. But I know when I was coming up, my God, you would think that we were almost prisoners at some time. But they would tell you stuff like, we're doing this for your good. Because I don't want the cops coming to my house. I don't want to have to go to the jail to visit you. Because if I have to come down there, listen, you're going you're to wish that they locked you up. That's how they used to talk to us. And it saved me. It kept me from being a bad little boy. Hallelujah. A lot of folk, ain't just bad. they just didn't get no training. They just didn't get no discipline. Amen. People can say what they want to say about the United uh, Armed Forces, but people are breaking the dough down to get in there every day. Why? Because really, underneath all of us love discipline. Folk go in the military because they ain't got no discipline in their life. They need some discipline in their life. That's why they go sign up. You wouldn't sign up for what? You? I know you did. Yeah, I wouldn't sign up. I ain't got no discipline in my life. I don't do nothing but hang around all day around the house, watch TV, hang out with the boys. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm heading the wrong direction. So you go and you get discipline in your life. A lot of us that went in the military, including me, that's what we needed. We needed discipline in our life. But if we didn't get discipline in our life, our, our friends would have tucked us over and out. We were headed in the wrong direction. But it got you in that middle that straightened you up. My God, you standing up now, tall, chest out, made you out of somebody, got a beautiful family home now. You Listen, things turned around for you. And don't you think that you're going to come over in Christendom and not get disciplined. Folk want to come to church and don't want nobody to say nothing to them. You don't tell me I'm free to do whatever. No, that ain't what the Bible says. Are you hearing me? There are some, you know, sergeants and lieutenants and some colonels and some generals that can tell you what to do in Christendom. The Bible say obey them that have rule over you. And we only do it for your good. Anybody that's telling you to do something that you know that's going contrary to the Bible, going contrary to God, you know you ain't got to obey that command. But if they're telling you from what the word of God says, the day you hear the Lord's voice, you harden not your heart. Hard-hearted people going to have a hard way to go. God, melt my heart like butter. Hallelujah. Let me have a tender heart towards you, Lord. Make me a specimen of your grace. I want to know you more and more and more. I need him. I don't know about you, but I need the Lord. Matter of fact, I got to have Jesus. Because without him, I'll be a show of royal mess. Anybody here got that testimony that you needed Jesus? I'm glad he, he found me when he found me where I was because he turned
turned everything around concerning me. From the looks of things, man, listen, all that grace he done poured on you, all that mercy he done poured on you, I mean, he been waiting on you, he had patience for you, he's still giving you grace and mercy, even though you done declared that he is Lord of your life, and he's still going to bat for you, you still mess up sometimes, and he still forgives you and bring you in, turn things around, working on your life, hallelujah, have him judged you, he's still receiving your prayers and you say Lord forgive me for I know not what I do help me Lord I mean that's a simple prayer saying help me Lord man it's a time for a turnaround you and your household don't you let nobody else come and try to unify what you say well you going to church today yes I am you're going to Bible study too? Yes. Hallelujah. I thought you were going. Well, you know, I just, you know, I believe I could just watch it. And uh, yeah, you, can, you can watch it. But you can only go watch it for so long. Everybody know that, you know, you can only eat TV dinners and media dinners for so long. You got to come in and get the real thing. You got to, you know, you got to be in the presence. I got to, I got to get it hot off the press. I, I listen. I got to hear him for my. So I want to hear right when it flows out. Hallelujah. Well, um, I just want just, I just want to just have a uh, media church oh okay cause I think it's just as good oh we got that we, we, we do that we got media going we have the 8 o'clock we have Bible said you watch oh, can I ask you something sir how would you like to have a media marriage you think you think that's just as good you don't get to see her physically you just get to see her on the screen Put you on the on the screen. You can't really hold a hand. Just put your hand up there on the screen. Can't rub her on the back. You just say, "Turn around, let me rub the screen." You think you think you think you're gonna be all right with a media marriage? Y'all think that'll work for you, ladies? That'll work for you? What if we told you all y'all just gonna y'all gonna eat? You're gonna eat every day from the media. We just gonna show you how good the food is. You ain't gonna get the chance to really taste it. We just gonna show it to you. Some of y'all will be so thin up in here. You just wanna see it. You're gonna get up off of that couch, get get in your car and go get what you just saw on that television. Y'all better let me alone with all that foolishness. So these are not small things. Everyone should agree that these things have a harmful effect on the body of Christ. But here, finally, what is the solution, Bishop? I'm glad you asked. Then we can go home or we can get ready to go home, eat, and then go to the 3 o'clock service. Hallelujah, if y'all going to come with me, because I got a word. It won't be a long one either. <laughs> so what would it take to achieve the unity Christ prayed for? It is, even is it even possible for a congregation to have unity when no two people are of the same opinion on anything? No two people are the same opinion on, on everything. The answer is definitely not. This and every congregation proves it never happens that way. But we can have unity in pursuing peace among ourselves. Oh, yes. And here's one of those scriptures. Romans 12 and 18. If possible. Somebody say if possible. 
You know, if the word if there means that there's a possibility that is not. But if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, your part. Everybody say my part. Live peaceably with all. So, in other words, if there's going to be any peace amongst you and unity among anybody, you make sure you are right. Don't you worry about the other person getting right. But lie through it in you, you make sure you are. See, the reason why we ain't together because they were this and this and this and this and this, and I ain't going to do nothing. No, no, no. See, now you have allowed what they do to affect you. I'm still going to be me regardless of what you are going to do. So to the point that do we have unity in this church, I believe that we do have unity. And just as strongly I believe that there are differences among us because we are different, and we are. Every one of us in here are different, but we can have a unity because we choose as much as as far as it depends on us. We want to live peaceably among ourselves. And so when people walk through that door and say, how can they come in with different shapes, sizes, and colors and different backgrounds and different ethnicities and they work together as one because we choose to come to live together peaceably. We make a decision. We make a choice to live with each other even though we have different makeups and some of us, you know, we high profile, some of us low profile, some of us more high energy, some of us low energy. It does not matter because all of us come in here because we got one common goal and that is to follow Jesus. Do not let our differences destroy the unity that we have. Just because you like to talk a lot and somebody else don't like to talk that much. And yet because you like to be more outgoing and they like to be, you know, stay in a little bit. Uh, that doesn't matter. You don't take your difference and say, well, I don't want to be a part of their life. I don't want them to be a part of my life. No, we, matter of fact, we ought to celebrate each other's differences. Only a God can bring people together with differences and unify them as one. All right? You and your wife, if you marry, you know it took God to bring you two different people together and live together as one. You know that you know and I know that I know that sometimes you can be very difficult. Oh, you ain't got to say a word right now. I know Harvey B can be difficult at times, but God done put, together, put me together with somebody that's got enough patience to put up with Harvey B and vice versa until God said I can unify them together and they can stay together almost coming up on 40 years uh, as one even though they are two different people but Christ makes the difference she's got Christ in her I got Christ in me we're looking to God together and so we meet up at the top because we're looking to God and not to ourselves. It's only take a God that can change my little attitude and my little opinion and what I think and what I got to have and what I, you can be very selfish in life if you're not careful. You can think about me, 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 my, 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 our, 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 but if my God, it take God to put a love in you that you can love somebody else and not want anything in return except that you know that God gave you an assignment to love. God will give you the power to love the unlovable. I know what I'm talking about. Can you say amen? 
And you got the nerve talking about you ain't going to love nobody else when you used to be hard-headed, contemporaries, disobedient. I mean, you was something else. You was a mess in a mess. You're still dealing with mess. And you're going to talk about you not going to forgive somebody. The devil is a liar. And much stuff he done forgave you of, forgave me of, forgave her of, forgave him of. You ought to be the first one to jump on your feet and say, I forgive you because I know that God forgave me of a whole lot of things that I have done. So our differences should not bring disunity. We don't all have the same gifts. That's why we say come in and bring your gifts so that we can use your gift so we can put you on a team. Hallelujah. Everybody don't like to greet at the door. And we don't want you to greet because you ain't got the personality for it. Because you're always looking mad every time we see you. Come up to the door, people. Good morning. Good morning. We don't want everybody to usher because you ain't ready. Because you get a, get a disgruntled person to come in here, amen, and you try to tell them something. They say, who are you talking to? I ain't standing down. I'm sitting right over here. And they see you got a short fuse anyway, and so you done grabbed them by the arm. And they done say, well, who are you grabbing on? Well, we can go right now. And I'm up here trying to preach. Like, hey, y'all cut that out. We don't need everybody up here singing. Hallelujah. Because you ain't ready yet. You don't want to come to practice. Hallelujah. And y'all want to sing somebody else's part. You got to sing your own part. Hallelujah. We got already got enough tenors. We don't need you singing tenor right now. So we need everybody to do their part. And when you come together, we un in unison. Are y'all following me? With the leaders, we need all of you doing your part. When we assign you different members, we don't need you grumbling. And they might be, you know, I'm just a glorified babysitter. I'm tired of babysitting these people and calling them every month to see how they're doing. Well, somebody got to do it. So you would have the bishop and the first lady to do it. Can't do everything. We need everybody to be a part of the team. And we need your giftedness. They need people working the sound right now. You know you're interested in that kind of stuff. You like turning knobs anyway. Huh? You always curious. What that what that'll do if I Huh? Now when you mess up, everybody gonna know it. But you got to be, you know, got to have, a, you know, you can't wear your feelings on your sleeve. But we need everybody to unite as one. Everybody. Did I say everybody? Some of y'all, we don't need you back there with the children's church. Because you know you got a sharp fuse with your children. And if we see how you handle your, get yourself on here, just... Got the little boy, he just, the little fella just, okay. No, you ain't ready. Don't you be got no folks like that. We don't need you back there with you in the church. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Hallelujah. We need those people that know how to work with young babies and things like that. You get on a team where you know, you know, oh, that's me right there. Security team. Who, who go there? Ain't got no more flashlight. Well, who, who that? We trying to have church over here. What you doing back there? Huh? Come out of there. <laughs> so we need everybody to unify as one. We're not going to unify with those that are causing discord. And here's the thing, all of us can find something to complain about. And even the thing that you have been assigned to do, if you've been doing it a long time, the enemy can make you complain about it and make you call that job 
meaningless. And it's minute and it ain't really necessary. Because you tired. Ask God to renew your strength. To renew your love. Ask God to do that. Ask, ask, God, ask God to do that. Because sometimes being in leadership, you have to ask God to renew your love for being a leader. And if you just feel like you cannot lead anymore, you can't lead anymore. Do like the geese. You know how they be flying in a V? And the one that's honking, that is the, for them, they, they, fly, they fly longer when they hear that honk sound, even though it's giving out a, a lot of energy. And when that first one, when they get tired, they move back and then somebody else go to the front. And they continue on to fly like that and they can fly for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. But by themselves, they will give up and would not make the trip. But because they're all unified together, they all push one another and they make it. We got to push each other. And we got to make it. And I believe we're going to make it. What you say? I'm closing. Unified followers. That's what God wants. We are followers of Christ. And he wants us to be Unified. Are you following me? The many denotes one. Unity. The many become oneness. We are one. We are one. Today we designated the day as a, you know, uh, our winter shirt. You see these gold shirts I love. This is, this is, uh, you can say it's unity, but it's more or less uh, uniformity. Where we all, you know, wear the same shirts, and, you know, uh, just, just to promote the winning church. Now, I know some of you all are visitors, and maybe some of you all are members. Uh, but, you know, we all got our shirts because we wanted to come together and be recognized as one. Recognize this one. And then they say, well, can I get one of those shirts? Yeah, you go to the bookstore, you get you one, get your size, order your size, whatever like that. Because we want everybody to know that we love the winning church. Isn't there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? And so that's what we have done. Thank y'all for listening today. Were you blessed by the word today? Everybody standing. See, we wasn't too long today, were we? I told you we're gonna be we're not gonna do we're gonna do the same thing at, at three o'clock. It ain't gonna be long. It may even shorter. Why, why y'all laughing? I'm serious. This unity thing has really been a blessing. This unity series has really been a blessing. Renewing our unity. Amen. Some of you might have felt, you know, you got a little lax. and You know, I've been at this church a long time. And, you know, the newness have worn off. And I just really don't feel the same way when I was, we was here, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, the first five years we were here. My, the newness kind of worn off. And, you know, and people come, people go, and it's really not the same for me. And I just don't put my best effort forward because, you know, it's just church. I want you to remember something. God gives his best to those that give their best to him. I want you to remember that. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So when you give God your best of your life, he will make sure 
that you have the best in life because he is life huh you say I'm the way the truth and the life you've never learned how to live until you've been in Christ life comes from Christ that's what life comes from comes from Christ I'm just I can see it happening with all that has been 2019, 2020, 2021. Watch what God is doing. It's like if you're a farmer, one year they will just take the soil and not put nothing on it. They don't grow it every year. They just take it and just let it lie dormant. And then when they come back, they let when they come back, they sometimes they even burn the whole thing. But when they come back to put something in that next time around, man, those plants look so much greener, so much better, and everything else because they have basically cured the ground and got the ground set and got the, 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 the ground fertilized right. And so when they plant this time, man, you see those, see all those seed that was sown begin to just sow and just look so great. I submit to you that, you know, that, that what happened in the pandemic, it just kind of like made the land a little dormant and a little stagnant a little bit. But as the people come back, you're going to see the church just fill up and people are going to be greater and better than they've been before. And watch this. God's going to use you to help that come to pass. Because you're going to go and start telling people how you've been blessed in the service and what you've learned in the service. You can even tell them what you learned in unity. You got the notes there. You can re-preach this message to all of your friends. So God is going to fill this place up to running over. And he's going to use you to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the enemy didn't know, but this is going to be the greatest comeback we've ever seen. It's going to be the greatest comeback we've ever seen. And, and I'm telling y'all, we're going to see young adults. I know we think, ooh, young adults, they hard to reach and we can't get them no more. And how, who we going to pass the baton on to and everything like that. But God going to show you something. He's going to get some of these young adults. They're going to start coming back to church. And they're going to start loving Jesus. And they're going to start crying out to God. And they're going to have a bonafide prayer life. And you ain't seen no praise and worship until they get a hold of God and God get a hold of them. Hallelujah. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. And people coming from every background. Every background. Right here at the Winning Church. Come on, give God a celebration. A celebratory of an offering. Would you bow your heads with me?